he mānga wai koia kia kore e fitikia. It's a big river indeed that cannot be crossed. Ena mana ena reo, no mai hoki mai ki te hōtaka nei a te ahikā, ko marae rakaku tēnei. Ko Justin Murray tēnei, welcome to Te Ahikā, our weekly kaupapa Māori programme, giving you insight into things Māori on Radio New Zealand National. How hard is it to give up something you like, even when it's actually killing you? For the past, well, forever, Angela Wallace has been trying to give up smoking. Although the new smoke-free TV campaign is rolling out at the moment, Ange has officially been smoke-free for the past six months. But it's had its challenges. I remember Auntie Aroha saying, you know, there they go off to slowly commit suicide. Yeah. It's the same thing. Uh, I remember um, young little self-righteous kids coming out and saying, Ew, you stink, stop smoking, Angela Wallace and her quit smoking mission is coming up. While we're on the healthy lifestyle theme, Ngāti Kahunanu are doing their best to ensure their iwi live a long life. They run a gym with what must be the cheapest fees in the country, so head there if you're in Hastings. And a few weeks back, launched an extreme sport event based on the Tough Man Challenges. Man, I thought this was just going to be a run along the beach. <laughs> No, said, this is hard out. Yeah, when they said fire, fire pits, and of course we actually dug up all the mud. Yeah, but pits. I thought the fire pits would just be like a little fire pit yeah. on the beach. No, no. <laughs> actually, when I came in, I was a bit hopeful, thinking it must be a hangi. <laughs> the Maui Challenge Legends coming up soon. You'll probably burn up a few calories just by listening. I wonder if you burn calories, Justine, by weaving. Yeah. Nah. nah. I reckon it's mostly the mind that gets the exercise, eh? Understanding the overall patterns and colours and say harakiki. Aira, kuera ke te mahi pai o te harakiki, but what's the state of our fibre arts in Aotearoa? That's the question a panel of weavers were asked at the recent International Indigenous Weavers Symposium. We've got all of that and more coming up in this edition of Te Ahika. I'm Maraia Rakuraku. I'm Justin Murray, nā rere te iwi, kaua e huriatu, whakarongo tonu mai ki te hōtaka a te ahika. Ko te mea tuatahi. Take one sporting event, give it a Māori makeover, and you have the Māori Challenge. Take one beautifully breathtaking day in Waimarama Hawke's Bay, surrounded by positive, upbeat sport billies, and you have one happy maraia. It is 7.30 in the morning, and I am in Hastings. The weather is spectacular. It is piping hot already, and I am making my way to Waimarama for the first ever Maui Challenge. Now, that's an event where 10 obstacles have been set up on this course by the Waimarama Beach, and they all represent uh, tasks that Maui undertook. That's Maui of Māori legend who fished up Aotearoa, who tamed the sun, slowed the sun down, who tried to defeat death and in doing so died himself. It's a good 40 minute drive to Waimarama and you go alongside the Tukituki River which is absolutely beautiful and then you cross over a bridge and start heading, you bypass Owlsthorpe and start heading straight out to Waimarama. Now because I was brought up here in Hawke's Bay, we often came out to the Tukituki River for uh, school camps and also for my other's annual Christmas party with the railways. So my memories of Tukituki River are willow trees, screaming, screaming kids, getting burnt to smithereens, um, and general overall hilarity.
then of course the drive from Napier to Tukituki seemed like it took all day now it's probably done in in about 40 minutes I know the road certainly improved I've just come down the hill and I've seen the sign for the Maui challenge Coming to the car park now, there's uh, probably around about 30, 20 or 30 cars here. I can see a whole crowd of people at the moment. They seem to be standing by Hangi, but actually, hope so. No, that's one of the um, the challenges. Kia ora. Kia ora. Uh, my name's Evelyn Rapaya and I'm from Whangahau. Um to describe the course, it's just the beginning. You just run up here and go down. So how far is that, Evelyn? How far do they have to run? The whole course is 10k, the full course. Yep. Half a course is five. Yep. So it all, it all adds up. Yeah. Um, you come through here and you just go down, down the sand dunes. So what's the distance here that they have to start? Oh. Half a k, then you go down into the, and you have to go under the barbed wire. Dan, can you see the barbed wire? There's a high level and a low level. Those, those two rails down there. So they kind of look like um, those army. Yes, yes. Army things. Yes. So you've got to get right down low, and crawl through all the. Feel this? It's really hard and sore, and we poking Strange. you in the eye. Yeah, yeah. The rushes. Yeah. And um, so you've got to crawl through there, and you've got to go under through the river. Under, <laughs> under through the river. Yes. Like there's a river down there. Oh, you know. gotta jump across or get across any way you can. Yeah. Um, and then you gotta go. There's another about a k out. That you have to run up to some barrels of hay. This it's is, a wall. This is you quite have to challenging. Get, it is very challenging. <laughs> very. And then after that, you've got to run out, come along the ridge, along the stream, and you go out to the beach. You gotta run out to the beach, to a buoy. We did originally have, um, we were going to put a cra uh, crayfish pot in there and they had to pick out the stones and carry it back in, but it's been too rough and we couldn't put it out. So they just go out to the buoy and come back in. They run 1.5k's along the beach, 1.5 back, so that's 3k. And then they come back over the sand dunes there. They come down and they go through the mud pit. Is there a mud pit? Yeah, where those two yellow... Oh, and yeah. that four-wheel drivers. The mud pit is right in there where all those people are looking because they're waiting for the fun to start. <laughs> <laughs> so they come back through there and they get out of the mud and they're going to be all dirty and they come up and they have to crawl through these tyres. And once they get after the sand, see they're in the sand and then uh, the sea and then the sand and then the mud and then the sand again and then they come up out. They've got to come up up these sandy dunes and they actually have to catch their breath before they run through the fire pit because of the, the smoke inhalation now um and that's half the course and then they come back up and out and the rest of the course is up the manga behind you they have to run up there and then yeah. climb down some ropes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty like has anyone I actually done do this no so, best, are best these like guinea pigs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you won't call them that. <laughs> oh, okay, so this is a yeah. test it's, crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she based it on the on, on the Māori legends, and you've got pulling the sun, that one up there. They've got ropes to pull up, um, like climb yourself up or pull yourself up, up, up the back. she got to run up those. Got to run up that ledge there. That's no, the I other five k. like a little... A little forget, but that's like an actual moment. <laughs> no, it's pretty, it's pretty huge. Yeah, oh. we just looked at it and no, we're not going to. Yeah, so you've got to be pretty um, physical, but there's only two that are, I think there's only one that's actually doing the full course, everyone else is just doing the first, but because it, it is very physical. So, if nobody's actually, um, if this is a test crew, how long? Oh. Have you estimated how long it takes? Yeah, two hours, we thought. Jeez, it could take all day. <laughs> <laughs> we were giving them two hours, but we are like, mm, maybe yeah, we reckon two hours. 
but we'll see, won't we? <laughs> Man, I thought this is just going to be a run along the beach. <laughs> And of course, we actually dug up all the mud. Yeah, but pit. I thought the fire pits would just be like a little fire pit yeah. on the beach. No, no. <laughs> usually when I They're came in, run through, usually when I came in, I was a bit hopeful, thinking it must be a hangi. <laughs> oh, sorry, we haven't. We didn't plan that far into that. Like, oh, choice, I'll have a hangi. <laughs> Show you, that would have been a good idea for the finishing kai, I think. We actually expected them to bring us some kai back. No. <laughs> It's, um, I don't know who it is. Number 32, I think, is coming, Ev. So, so far, that means he's been through the river. Yeah, he's done run along the sea, been in the sea. Yep. Here they come. Here they all come. Yeah, he's been through the sea. Where else did he go? Run 1.5k down the beach, coming over the sand dune. They're about to come into the mud pool. I thought it was that other You sound excited, Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's two. Another one. Or is that Bev? Coming to watch them. This guy, here he comes. Yeah. No, he, he looks like he's been doing it. There's look how bucket he looks. Look at that man, another one. There's one in the head. So they'll come over to the mud pool through the tyre. Hey, do they go through the. I don't know. Yeah, the they course, go out of the mud pool through this tyre and then through here. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, so they're no. going in the mud pool and then they sorry, come through those tyres. Sorry, 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 ladies, I know it's rude. <laughs> in the mud pool, <laughs> through the tyres and then through the um, fire up. pit. Yeah, through the fire pit, up. And then they come up, Chris, and then they go run back down to the start, finish, and then they start the second journey. Oh, do, they have, yeah, let's give them a clip. do they have a two-hour rest? <laughs> no. <laughs> just, they just got to keep going. Oh, get that fire pit, Oh, 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 that's the first one. Oh, this. Oh, it's a lady. Look, no, number. No, no, she's not. I don't. Think yes, so. she is. That's she number is. fifteen. That lady. Oh. She's number fifteen. Oh, I remember oh, I yeah. said to her, "Look at number fifteen. She looks fit." Where's the two Maui men? There are two. There's actually yeah. two contestants that are actually dressed in proper Maui gear with their pew pew and their taiaha. Oh, here he comes. Oh, hey, where were you? Although, you know, back in the day, Maui probably didn't wear any clothes at all. Yeah. No, and that's why one of these boys has just got a pipu on there. So, uh, we should have had water, cups of water so. along the way. Oh, look, here we go. Yay! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> big clap, big clap. So the people in the kind of orangey clothes, are they the ones directing them where to go? They're marshals, yep, they're marshals. And then us in the fluorescent, we're the first aiders. For choices and he Way to go, number 32. I right said it was go. number 32. Woo! Woo! Smile, Woo! 32. Wave! <laughs> Yay, Look like you're enjoying it, 32. <laughs> so, is there a prize if they win? Yes, they just get a tonga and they got a top with their registrations to say that they are legends and had all our sponsors on it. And um, I think one of our aunties is making some flex, flex hats for the winner. And, yeah. How many competitors are in there, Evelyn? We've got 46 registered. Jeepers! Yeah. And what's the spread? I mean, are there mainly oh, range, ranges, men, mainly men and, and, and a lot of a, cu a few couples have entered a few couples and then there's a, um, I think there's a little brother and two sisters oh yeah so, yeah so they they entered the, the little brother in last minute that's the first one that's fin to finish the single that's Jason Cooper Beverly's brother-in-law so do you think Kahununu overall are um, adopting healthy lifestyles. Yes, well, we're trying to promote it because we run a healthy lifestyles clinic at our gym at Choices. Plus, we're doing that? this event. It's on the corner of Maraikako Road and Francis Hicks Avenue in Hastings. Yeah, we run the healthy lifestyles program there. We've got a big gym and on Netball Court, and it's it's connected to our midwifery centre.
Kia ora, the crew from Choices, the Nazi Kahungunu Iwi Health Clinic at Hastings. At our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika, there are photos of the event showing some of those crazy as obstacles. And I understand that they challenged you, Mariah, to enter it next year. They sure did. I'm going to give it a go. Well, the five kilometre one anyway. No way am I going to slog it up that hill, man. But good on you, Mike Bond, and the others who did. And they sound like they're so committed to healthy lifestyles that someone in the team completed one event before heading directly into another one. That's right. Leslie Hukianga drove back that morning after competing overnight in the Lake Topol Relay. The annual event where a team of up to 18 people either run or walk around Lake Topol. That's 100 155 kilometres. Good on the May. I reckon we'll check back in with the crew next year. Ever tried to give up something you really, really couldn't? Well, I do have a thing for chocolate that I've tried to give up. But you know what I reckon? The more I tried to give up something, the more I craved it. So instead of eating the whole block of chocolate, I have like four squares a day, and you don't feel deprived. I hear you. Our next guest is Angela Wallace, whose vice was smoking. You may recognise her as the current face on the Quick Group TV campaign. Yep, and what a brave thing to do, eh, Mariah? Your face plastered everywhere. Not only you, Justine, but your whānau as well. It's one way to counteract all the negative health statistics that we always find ourselves the subject of. Kia ora tātou, ko Angela Wallace tōku ingoa, uh, nō kaitahu ngō Ngāti uh, I agreed to uh, front the quick group ads um, to give up smoking um, on camera and to also document my journey with quitting um, smoking. And you know what I find so surprising about it, Ange, is that you know we knew each other when we were at university and I... I smoked then, and I never saw you smoke. And you're talking, in the campaign, you're talking about how it's a 20-something year habit. It is a 25-year habit. I started smoking when I was about 15, and I gave up only when I was pregnant with my children. So I would have just had my first daughter by then. Uh, and so for about nine months to a year while I was pregnant and um, obviously breastfeeding, I didn't smoke cigarettes. Now that's not because I didn't want to, it's because I was sick. I felt physically ill whenever I had a cigarette when I was smoking, when I was pregnant. So to me, being pregnant, I knew that I, I knew when I was pregnant because I went off my cigarettes. Right. So that's only happened about four times. However, immediately after having my children and um, breastfeeding them, I started smoking again pretty quickly afterwards. How did it start at 15? Uh, well, all of my friends smoked. Um, it was kind of a bit of a thing back then in the early 80s. Um, both of my parents smoked cigarettes. Most of our friends smoked uh, at church, at the Marae. So I kind of grew up around cigarettes. It didn't seem to be, um, you know, something that we know now to be really unhealthy and bad for you. Um, in those days, there wasn't a lot of literature telling us how bad cigarettes were for us. So what prompted you to stop if, I mean, if all those factors are still happening in your life? Are people still smoking around you? I think what happened is we've been part of a small group in Tawa uh, called Pumanawa Rangatira and a bunch of families, Māori and Pacific, who um, our common, um, I guess, the thing that brings us together is that all of our children go to Tawa College together. So we came together to try and build uh, te reo and tikanga and instil um, the values um, of our tūpuna in, into our children Given that we live in an urban environment and far away from our homes, uh, our kainga tuturu, so um, it was those rangatahi, our teenagers, who said to us as parents, you need to quit smoking. Uh, we've got a kaupapa coming up, we're going to Hawaii, to the Pu'u Kohola uh, at the end of this year, and they basically gave us that challenge. They just said, you give up smoking before we go to Hawaii. So what, a uh, uh, younger generation, are kids not smoking? Uh, our kids, uh, we're fortunate, uh, 
none of them are smokers. Um, some have smoked and have experimented with smoking, um, but pretty much the group that we're taking away do not smoke at all. And you'll see them coming up in the quit ads. So we're really proud of our kids. It, it started with um, with one of our leaders speaking with them about drugs and alcohol, and cigarettes obviously came up into that picture. So... Uh, you know, as most parents will know, it's really hard to talk with your children about smoking and not smoking yeah. because it's bad for your health if you're a smoker yourself. Now, smokers or people who have stopped smoking often talk about the things they do to avoid the crave for nicotine, right? What were some of the things that you did? Uh, well, in the early days, I um, because I had made that decision, I'd made a conscious decision and I believed that I would be smoke-free, it was easy in the early days. It wasn't until about a month later, maybe two months along, when I started craving. And I called the Quick Group and they talked with me about the four Ds, which is uh, delay, the cravings will pass, uh, drink water, um, because obviously, you know, that put something into your mouth, um, into your body, and um, deep breathing, which is a really good technique. Um, I guess it's a technique when you're feeling upset as well, but when you're craving a cigarette, deep breathing helps, and doing something else. So just, you know, just try and distract yourself <laughs> to do something else, because the craving passes. Was your home smoke-free? Yes, my home was smoke-free, and possibly one of the reasons why you didn't suspect that I was a smoker way back in the day is that my husband hated cigarettes, and he still does. Um, he would often say to me, why are you putting that in your mouth? It's on fire. <laughs> so I would always um, sneak around with my cigarettes. So smoking was also um, taking me away from my family and my home, so I would generally either sneak out the back for a cigarette so nobody would notice, or I'd only smoke at work. Um, so yes, our home is smoke-free, and when people come to visit or if we have dinner parties, there's a section out way out the front where you're allowed to go to smoke. So what you t I mean, you're talking about quite deceptive things, and you've been with James for you know over 20 years. So you were running around hiding, smoking, which means you would have had to um, brush your teeth all the time. And well, he was smoking in, lingers, eh? It lingers exactly. in your hair, lingers in your skin. I think he was in denial for a really long time. Um, and I mean, he knew that I was a smoker. He knew that I smoked. I, I reeked of it. And, um, yeah, I guess we would just not really talk about it. So that's your whānau. What about on a hapu level? Um... Well, you'll see in the ads that before I decided to quit, I spent a lot of time with my um, parents down in Hokitika and my sister. And um, over the years, they've always talked with me about why I should quit smoking. They haven't smoked for a very long time. And um, I even had a younger sister who worked for a smoking cessation program in Nelson uh, who would come home and give out all these wonderful smoke-free gears and T-shirts and bo drink bottles and, you know, stare at me and say, one for you, one for you, none for you. <laughs> so, you know, I've known for a long time that my immediate whanau um, don't like me, didn't like me smoking. Knew it was bad for me. And, yeah, a few things come out in the ads around uh, protecting our whakapapa, being here for our future generations, the fact that, both sets of my grandparents died from smoking-related illnesses. I guess the whānau, I've always known that they uh, want me to be around. And so, um, yeah, they've put a lot of pressure on me over the years. But I never listened to them. So it's, it's kind of, you have this love-hate relationship with cigarettes. You're addicted to it and you really want to smoke. Um, but you know how bad it is for you and you know how it hurts your family. So um, smokers have to make that conscious decision in their own head. They, we can't be told. In fact, if you told me to give up smoking, I'd go out and smoke. So there's this kind of um, reaction that smokers tend to have. So I think once a smoker has made that decision then is the perfect time for whānau to just say, OK, now how do I support you? OK, so how is it that your whānau supported you? 
well, my my parents have um, since I've quit smoking. My parents have been. Uh, texting, emailing, um, just letting me know uh, how happy they are and delighted they are that I've given up. Um, I have obviously got a lot of coverage um, through the ads and um, local local radio, local television, um, and national television and local newspapers. And as a result of those, um, my iwi is also interested in doing an article. And... I guess over the years I've noticed um, that smoking has declined quite a bit. Um, most of our marae are smoke-free or have allocated smoking areas. And that's is a your marae smoke-free? My marae is smoke-free, yes. You have to walk outside across the road over <laughs> to the beach to smoke. And I really like that thought um, and that idea that um, you know, marae are promoting healthy lifestyles nowadays. Um, in the old days, you know, I've seen smoking in kitchens. Gosh, I still remember smoking. Like in, in the farimate? Yeah, in the farimate, everywhere, on the pai pai. And, I mean, like, we can argue that those were the ways of old, um, but we can also argue today that things have to change because too many of us are smoking and too many of us are dying. And... Um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about when I um, first quit is I came up with every excuse under the sun. Okay, so let's quit. name some. I've, these are ones I've heard. Oh, Kuro smoked till um, Kuro smoked till he was ninety-five, and he was all right. Um, you're going to get really fat. Yes. This is what keeps me skinny. Yes, that's that was my main. That was actually my major um, struggle. With, with quitting smoking is that, you know, people would say to me a couple of years ago, oh, Angela, you look fantastic. What have you been doing? And I'm like, I've been smoking my lungs out. <laughs> I don't eat. You know, when I was a smoker, I did not eat. I didn't have breakfast. I couldn't be bothered with lunch. I'd just eat when I was hungry. It was a bit of a chore. But as long as I got my cigarettes in, you know, my daily quota. So, you know, How I'd much always, was that daily quota, Angela? I was smoking 20 cigarettes a day. <gasps> By the end, even though I was, um, isn't you know, there like a, isn't that a packet? Yeah, that's a packet a day. So how much are a packet of cigarettes these days? I think they're about thirteen, fourteen dollars. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I've spent, I've saved a fortune. <laughs> I've saved an absolute fortune. But I'd say things like, oh, you know, could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, you know, what's the point? Oh, it'd be nice to die young anyway. Uh, any excuse I could come up with, um, I would. Um, you know, like I'm stressed. Uh, I really need it because, you know, if you lived my life, you'd want to smoke too. And, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous, really, because, you know, we live a beautiful life. <laughs> you know, there's, New Zealand is a wonderful place to live and raise your family. So, um, you know, you forget about what, what you can be grateful for because you just, um, it's the addiction. It just gets in your head and it just plays stupid games with you. It's funny how it's always pitched as something quite glamorous. You know, I think back on when I was a kid mm. and all the movie stars, the really gorgeous ones who, there's no way they lived where I was from, but, you know, they they all smoked. Yes. They all had long cigarettes in their That's thing right. and they all smoked. And the Alpine man. Oh, like this yeah, rough yeah. and rugged, sort of like the southern man. Yeah, the Marlborough man. Yeah, the Marlborough man. So, hmm. No, it's not very attractive these days. So I, th I guess we just know more about the, um, you know, the ill effects of it. There's a couple of things that happened when I made that conscious decision to give up smoking. I remembered absolutely everything that I needed to remember all at once. I remembered my GP saying to me, it's not lung cancer you need to worry about. It's emphysema. Yeah. Now, emphysema is a horrible disease. You just can't breathe. So at the end of your life, you can't breathe in and out. Um, it just That just must be a horrible way to die. And I remember my dad saying, you know, what about our macaws? You know, because he's always worried about them. You know, who's going to look after them if something happens to me? Um, I remembered, you know, James talking about, you know, it's on fire, so why do you put it in your mouth? 
Uh, yeah, that's a funny one, isn't it? I enjoy that one. I remember when I was smoking and my father said to me, I must have been about 22 or something, and he said, you know what? I should kill you right now. And I was quite shocked, mm. right? I went, hey? And he goes, well, that's what you're doing. And then I thought about it. And they went, ugh, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> whatever, I'm off to smoke at the Marae now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember Auntie Aroha saying, you know, there they go off to slowly commit suicide. Yeah. It's the same thing. Uh, I remember um, young little self-righteous kids coming out and saying, Ew, you stink, stop smoking poo! <laughs> In their bright green jackets. Yeah, from the mounds of babes mm. and... You know, I remember I got some help from um, a local marae. Uh, they were running an Okatu Kaipaipa um It's a Stop Smoking program. Campaign. Yeah, a smoking cessation campaign. And they came to visit me every week for six weeks and gave me patches and gave me gum. So I remembered so, everything that they'd said. What are the patches? The patches just... Um, Depending on how how many cigarettes you smoke a day, they give you a dosage which replaces the nicotine that you are addicted to with your cigarette. So here's another excuse. Oh, no, I'm not going to take patches or gum because, you know, that's just another form of nicotine, which it is. The difference is while you're feeding your addiction with your patches, you're not taking in the other hundred or so chemicals that are going to kill you. (laughs) So, you know, there's a psychological dependence. We've spoken about that, but there's also a very real physical dependence. Yeah. But those quick group ads do tend to be quite, um, you know, I'm just thinking about the ones that played for a long time and that man passed away last year, Yeah. the one who had a tracheotomy, and he was being filmed and saying, you know, don't smoke. This is what this is what happened to yeah, me. Yeah. La la la, and you got a real sense that um, it was very real. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. And the next one is the um, the other one is the the man um, with emphysema. Yeah. So he like can't hardly walk. Oh yeah, that's awful. That Māori man who's yeah. the security guard. Yeah. So he could he could not like not walk from one, you know, a hundred meters. He couldn't walk like to get his mail. meters. Do you think those shock tactics work? Um, well, I, I said before, it's you can't tell a smoker to quit. So you know when you see all those nasty things on the things on, the packets, on cigarette packets. As a I smoker, saw one yesterday. I just, I just ignore it. Oh, they have they have a really strong warning, and the pictures, mm. yeah, the eyeball picture, the heart picture. Yeah, I just ignore them. Just ignore them. They'll go away. You can't tell a smoker to quit. There's a physical addiction, um, and I have I, I don't understand it at all. Uh, but every time you have a cigarette, it builds up your craving for the next cigarette, and so you just you physically need to have the cigarette in your mouth and puff inhale it um, in order to feel like you. Um, like your craving goes away, and I and I can't describe it. It's like it's not like hunger. It's it's just like a little nagging annoyance sitting there waiting to be fed. So, what are the what are the great things about giving up smoking? I mean, I've got to say, you do you do look fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, What's the upside of giving up smoking is that I know that I can do it. So I made a decision and I did it. So there's a a bit of personal sort of achievement in it. It must give you lots of heart. Means you can do anything. It makes me feel. It makes me feel like I've done like one of the. It's one of the important things that I've done in my life. One of the Kilimanjaro's in your life. It is. It it has been because it's been really awful all my life being able, um, being trying my hardest to give up smoking and not being able to get rid of it. Um, I think the beauty is that I think I look better. Everybody tells me I smell better because, you know, smokers do smell. Well, one of the camera guys told me that from the beginning, so before I was, um, before I quit, to the end, so it would have been about a four or five months um, journey, um, he said that my colour looks different. Yeah, and the colouring. So, um, 
you know, I think that when I was a smoker, I had a grey complexion and I, my eyes, I mean, my eyes are still problem problematic now. I've, I will always have this dirty sort of layer over the whites of my eyes and that's from, that's from smoking and that will never go away. I can't even have that laser treated. So, um, you know, I've still got a couple of things that I need to deal with. Um, What's your breathing like? Breathing's much better. I feel healthier. I bet your smell, you're able to detect the smoker from miles away now. I can smell absolutely everything, which is wonderful because I can also taste better. Mm. So I love my food. I love love eating. As a smoker, you kind of just can't taste much, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) You've got to put a lot of salt on it to bring out the flavour. I just feel better. I just feel better in my own self. And I know that, you know, my kids are happier with me not being a smoker. Um, And I know that I can, you know, hopefully be around for them. Now, do you think you would have been able to do this without the support of the quit group? I don't think that I would have been able to do this without the support of um, the quit group, my family, my friends and other initiatives. So I think it's quick group together with um, any other messages that are out there from your GP, from Okati Kai Piper, uh, from Ash. You know, I still remember uh, going to Matatini um, last year and the Ash people were out there and every time we went out to have a cigarette, they'd give us a lozenger and say, mm-hmm. next time you want a cigarette, just sit there and watch the cuppers and enjoy it. And have one of these. And yet they were. They delay the craving for a little while. So, um, you know, there has been a lot of talk recently about um, what is the best way to um, reduce smoking amongst Māori. And I don't think any one way is the only solution. I think there's a combination. We need them all. Angela Wallace, nor Kaitahu, Ngati Fatsua Ki Kaipara. Now, Ange told me the overall experience hanging out with the camera crew was incredibly positive, and you can see it eh, in the finished product. Very natural. Good on you, Angela Wallace. And for all of you now inspired by Angela's story, you can head to our webpage. We've got some links to the groups that supported her in becoming smoke free. Earlier this year, Justine was at the International Weavers Indigenous Symposium in Rotorua, a five-day event that brought together a whole lot of weavers, some more expert than others, from both Aotearoa and around the world. And as part of this symposium, there were a range of panel discussions, like the one you're about to hear on the state of fibre arts in Aotearoa. Opening the panel discussion is weaver Ranui Narimu no Naitahu me Kati Mamoi. Welcome to our panel members and we're looking forward to an interesting discussion and we'll start with the state of fibre arts in Aotearoa. And Donna, I think that you'd be quite a good place to start. <laughs> oh, thank you. Weaver Donna start. Campbell. So, the state of fibre arts in Aotearoa. Um, well, I can only speak from my own perspective. I think that um, the state of the arts are incredibly healthy and dynamic um, healthy and dynamic, innovative, and really shifting, <coughs> shifting quite quickly um, into the future. Um, but in saying that too, um, there are concerns around um, how to maintain a standard of integrity within the art form um, while this innovation is happening, while the boundaries are being pushed and the limits are being leapt. How do we maintain the whakapapa back to the initial narrative history of the, of the, the um, discipline, of that particular discipline? And um, how, do we, how do we maintain the tikanga that surrounds those things? And I think we're all up for that investigation and it's just part of the process of um, evolution. Carl, um, is your opinion the same as Donald's? And if so, do you want to add your card to this discussion? I was just going to take notes. Um, Weaver Carl Leonard. Yes, we are getting quite diverse now. We're, 
Well, actually, I, I see two different things, and I think they touched on a little bit this morning. Uh, Tina touched on a little bit this morning uh, during that early discussion, and that is that you have a group of people who are artists, and then you have a group of people who are practitioners. Now, artists tend to, to expand and explore the areas. Practitioners tend to replicate and keep it going. Mm. So you've got two different, it's understanding that you have two different groups going. I think we have a lot of diverse art coming out, but I actually find that the problem is that they do not have a uh, good grounding in a traditional base. So, I mean, while it's fine, it, it's, it's no different than if we had a Chinese person come across here, look at our core firefight designs, go home, mix them all up, splash them all over. That's what we're actually getting out there. What I feel we're not getting is expertise. So, while, because I, I see two weavers of two different environments. Um, one environment, which was sort of what I was around, is that we, we learn and we progress through, um, how would I call it, negative encouragement. Now by negative encouragement, um, you really found that the old people would say, oh, that's beautiful work. Oh, they say, oh, yeah, not bad, that's okay. Because, and, and being like that, they didn't want to over embellish you with a lot of you know, um, a lot of Now, a prime example is for some of those of you who remember some of the old weavers, I always use Bubbles Mihinui as an example. Uh, she was more famed for, for making pew pew. And one day she came to me and she looked at what I was doing. She saw me making hair and she turned and looked and she went, Oh, yeah, 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 eh? which means, yeah, it's kind of okay. She said, but not like your auntie's work. She did beautiful, fine work. Oh, That's what I call negative encouragement. Because in other words, they put a challenge out to you and you either take it or you crumble. So it's their way of encouraging you to see, can you, can you take it up? And, and that's that form of encouragement. But, but now that we're in institutions, of course, we're in the position of having to encourage people in a different method. So you, you get a little bit of a contrast between that. So yes, while we do have diversity, it's the, I, I feel that the foundations do lack. Um, I heard the word tohunga today about many of our weavers here being tohunga. Sorry, I don't agree with it. I don't see anyone who has matched the old tohunga. You're only a tohunga when you can equal them. Because I really don't think that we can better some of the work that they've put out. Those are the examples right there. The kaitakaroa, paipairoa, um, many of those kaku, those are examples. And if we're not hitting that, then we need to strive more. And I think we're in this time where we hold hands and say, oh, beautiful. But I think we also need to add into that how to move on to the next level and, and sometimes I think that integrity is missing. Ah. As well, there's just one other thing. It's one thing that I, that, that, that I do hope that as weavers that we strive for besides moving our work into another level is our level of language. So for our overseas, guess what it means is if, if we don't use our language as well, which is, you know, everything springs out of your language. Without that as a connection to what we're doing, we're not like our ancestors, we're just a very light shadow of them. So, so I think language is just as important ingrained into this. Kilda. Weaver Himuata Hinari. I, um, <clears throat> one thing as a challenge or to throw out people, I just recently was a, a, had the honour of being a student of Kahuti Kanawas and um, doing a Bachelor of Arts. And it, the one thing that it did for me was make me take a look at um, my, my project was on my, one of my ancestors, my Matupuna, who was a weaver. And I realised that we take Oh, I realise that we take a, um, we look at the work 
we looked at her, I looked at her work, and then I looked at what we do today, which made me realize uh, what we do today is formal, very formal. There's some guidelines, there's some. Whereas what my tupuna did, or my ancestor did, was it came naturally, uh, everything just flowed, and it was a part of her. Where, so it was an extension of her, herself. Um, today, it's so formal that uh, we're still learning, and as you say, and I agree with my, my, uh, the other panellists that have spoken, that we've only got a smidgen of what they have. Um, so that's my, my whakaaro, and that I want to share with everybody and maybe um, <clears throat> can add to that for mm. Kia ora. Weaver Machu Dixon. Ah, kia ora tātou. I wara-wara ki te whakamohi o te atu ki a koutou nō he āhau, nō tauranga moa nā hau, nō te te mautere o matakana. Nō rere, ko ngai te rangi tōku iwi, ko maua o te maunga, ko tauranga te moa, tēnā koutou katoa. Yeah, I was sitting here just listening to the kōrero, because I have a different, let's say, view is that um, I was brought up by a kuya who was a weaver. And that kuya was my grandmother, my mother's mother. And she brought me up really because of my name, because I was named after her son who died in the war. So she came and got me and took me. Anyway, and I was brought up at Matakana. And um, <clears throat> I always considered that weaving and anything to do with weaving was part of our whole being as being Māori. I don't separate it, so I think that uh, weaving is a, another part of our being Māori uh, because actually my forte is not weaving, it's singing waiata. I'm, I'm quite well known from where I come from as being uh, a singer of waiata, tawhito, waiata of my tribe. So, and I think that what my contribution is towards how we are as Māori people, I always look at it as, as being a Māori person. So it is, it's as important as the best weaver, the best this, the best that. And we all should always strive to be the best, I think. Uh, I just, um, as Carl said, I knew a lot of old people who were experts, um, but they were not only experts in weaving, but also in whaikōrero, mm. in waiate, in whakapapa, i rā mea katoa, te kōrero i te reo Māori, i runga i te marae. I remember some old crowers who used to just you could hear a pin drop on this, a big marae, as they spoke, because they were real, real leaders. But anyway, so I have a bit of a different view. I'm, you might call me a more of a practitioner. I go to a lot of marae. I live in Waikato, so I'm fortunate to go to a lot of marae's in Waikato. And I, and, and I think that the well-being of how a hapu is, not how a, a, a practitioner is, but a hapu, I think that if you're a weaver, you're a weaver of that iwi or that hapu of yours. So people don't talk about Machu the weaver, they talk about those weavers from Ngaitukairangi. And I fortunately come from a, a hapu from Ngaitirangi who were considered to be expert weavers. And so we talk about the whole of the hapu, or the expertise of one person is incorporated into the identity of who you are from that hapu, hey, you know, mm. and that's and so you go to marae. I think the test of of how that hapu is as regards weaving is to go to a marae and see what fariki they have on the floor of that marae. Mm. If you go to a tangihanga, have a look to see what is the fariki that lay, lays underneath that body. You know, is it a fariki that that marae has had for decades? and not being able to do anything to it to make it look nice? Or is the, is the meeting house just full of whāriki? Those are the questions you need to ask about the, the, the health of weaving in our community. Nā mihi ki a rātou, a panel discussion from the International Weavers Indigenous Symposium. Now that kōrero does continue on from Machu Dixon, who you just heard. So an upcoming te ahikā will feature the rest of that panel talking about the state of fibre arts in Aotearoa. 
Stay tuned. And photos from that session are at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. Anaya, Angela Wallace anō, me te whakamārama a te whakatauki. Uh, kia ora tātou, ko Angela Wallace tōku ingoa, ki te taha o tōku whaia, ko Ngāti Whātua rawa ko te rōroa ngā iwi, ki te taha o tōku hākoro, ko kaitahu te iwi ko katimaha ki te hapū. He mānga wai koia kia kore e whitikia. It's a big river indeed that cannot be crossed. So to me this whakatauki means um, you can use it um, when somebody protests about um, the difficulty of a project so for me, I see this as being relevant to my quit journey. I didn't want to give up smoking and I would protest about quitting. Um, and yet, in the end, it wasn't really that big a river to cross. So I guess if you believe in yourself and you make that decision, um, even though, um, like this whakatauki, um, the river... You know, you, you don't think that you can cross that river. In the end, you can. There's not enough hours in the day for Te Biwihi Peihana. He runs a radio station, holds weekly modaku classes for kids, writes and pretty much leads a full-on kaupapa Māori life. Justine is with him next week. While Mariah reviews The Life and Times of Ranginui Walker by Paul Spoonley, you got a bit of a soft spot for him near Mariah. Sure do. Nanginui Walker's books, Nato Tohe Tohe, Tears of Anger, and Kafafai Tonu Mato, Struggle Without End, shaped my early days as a university student. And we're on the countdown two weeks until our Teahika special, looking at how Māori find love. <laughs> Make sure you're locked into Teahika on Radio New Zealand National Ben. Ete iwi kua tai anō ki te kapina a te ahika. Katsuku mihi ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, ki ngā kai whakahaere mihini, ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā wiki. Mauri ora tātou katoa. Mm.